First Samuel, let's get there, chapter 18, and we'll look at two verses. Verses 3 and 4. Title today, My Rank, My Right, My Reality. And we'll just get right into that. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David, even his sword and his belt. Father, I ask and pray for your anointing upon the word that is preached, the word, God, that is heard, and God, the word that is lodged in our heart and lived out in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me set the... Let me set the stage of what's going on. 3,000 years ago, after King David has killed, or after David has killed Goliath, they are having a parade. They're having a party. They're having presents and gifts are being lavished upon this young man, David. And on this day, a man who has really become a good friend of David is a, is a man by the name of Jonathan. Probably David's, maybe he was within a year or two or three older than David. And what this man Jonathan gives David, I think, is very telling. More telling than all the songs that were sang that day. That David has killed his thousands and or King Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his tens of thousands. These gifts that Jonathan gives is more important than King Saul giving the fiat command that upon this day forward, David and his family will never, think about how great this would be, never have to pay taxes again. Think of that. I'll take the giant out. <laughs> That's right. So having that lavished upon him, having King Saul's daughter, but there was a problem with that because when you marry the devil's daughter, you get the devil for a father-in-law. <laughs> And that's what happened on that deal. But amongst all of these lavish things bestowed upon David, Jonathan gives David his robe, his sword. And there were only two swords in all of Israel. Israel did not know how to smelt and to make swords. The Philistines knew this. Israel didn't. There were only two swords in all of Israel. Saul had one. Jonathan, his son, had the other. And a belt. What these three things, with Jonathan so readily willing to give them up, to David, his friend. The first one, this right here, and I'm sure it was nicer than the one I have here, 
man, I need a new robe for Christmas. <laughs> That's what I need. What this represented was Jonathan's rank, Jonathan's royalty. We see this in the New Testament. When the prodigal son returned home, the very first thing the father gave to him was a robe. When we are born again, what happens to us in a spiritual realm that we do not see in a physical realm is God gives us a robe of righteousness. And on that note, when somebody gets born again, they get up and they say, oh, I'm so worthless, I'm so filthy, I'm so dirty. No, you're not. The first thing the father wanted to give the prodigal son was the robe because then it covered up all of the stench and the outward gunk that was all over his son and he didn't want anybody else to see that so he puts the robe upon him. And what this is telling, Jonathan is saying, my rank means nothing. He is the next in line to be king of over all of Israel. He is and was heir apparent. This was a time in history that when if there was anybody in your way or you even thought was in your way rising to the kingdom, you killed them. And Jonathan, it is his privilege to be the next king, and he willfully gives that over to David. I know with the giftings that I have and the giftings that you have, David, that God has smiled upon you to be the king. Now, I'm telling you, that same thought was not in his dad. His dad was willing to throw a spear and try to kill David as David was playing music and trying to saw, uh, uh, soothe the heart of Saul. And Saul takes a spear and throws it at him, and it lodges into the wall. Musicians, you know it's time to bolt. <laughs> yeah, when it ain't tomatoes, but it's spears that they're throwing at you. So his rank, he was more than willing to give up. Next, he gave David his sword. This was his right. This was his right to defend myself. He gave that up. And it wasn't like he was going to go and pick up another sword somewhere. He wasn't. This was it. This was his right to defend myself, and I'm going to lay that at the feet of David. And then the next thing is his belt. Your belt's what holds everything together. You could say what's holding everything up. The belt speaks of truth because the Bible talks about in the New Testament the belt of truth. Your reality 
my reality, what I think I'm willing to lay down at the feet of Jesus. This, among everything that I see in the Christian world today, this is the one that bugs me the most. To where people think if they can't figure it out with their little peanut brain, well, it must not be right. I'm Albert Einstein. Oh, no, you ain't. And Jonathan gave David that robe, that sword, and that belt and said, these are no longer mine, they are yours. Preacher again, if my mega mind can't figure it out, you know what that is? You're serving an idol. You've made an idol of yourself. If I can't figure it out, well, God must not be in it. You've made an idol. Like Jonathan giving David his robe, his sword, and his belt, I am to give Jesus my rank, my right, and my reality. Today we are to honor the same way and the same gusto that Jonathan honored the giant killer 3,000 years ago, we are to honor the giant killer today. Because the Lord Jesus took out a giant 2,000 years ago, and I might add, he did it with a rock. Because the stone was rolled away. And all of the prestige honor and glory that Jonathan was willing to give to David, we should be more than willing to give unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Jonathan, give his very best. I want to give my very best. I want to give Jesus my rank. 23 years ago, when I mentioned to my pastor that Orchardville Church wanted me to come over and pastor this church. Here's what he told me. Because he knew it was a basement. He knew it didn't have indoor plumbing. And he said, Mark, you're better than that. I've got two churches in Indiana that I know today would be more than willing to take you and Kay on as pastor. I know they would. You're better than that. Don't go over there to a basement. You're better than that. Don't go to a place that don't even have plumbing. You're better than that. And you know what I did? I knew that God had called me here, and I laid my rank. And whoever and whatever somebody thought of me, I laid that down at the feet of Jesus, and I said, God, this is where you call me. You're going to have to do the big work here. But I'm going to follow Two, after, we, after we started pastoring here, two or three weeks after we started pastoring, we had a revival. And I remember, and I'll never forget this, the Spirit of God burned this in me. I'll never forget, as we're stand, I'm standing there on the inside of that church building, and I'm looking through those double doors, and I'm watching as nobody's showing up. Kay and myself, the two kids, Grandma Dorothy, and about a smattering of 12 or 13 other people was all that pulled up that night into that parking lot. 
and you could not have been any lower than what I was. And the Spirit of God whispered this into me, Mark, it won't always be this way. It won't always be this way. And a few weeks after that, I went to a revival, and that place was packed. I mean, I'm thinking this is how it's supposed to be. Preacher preaching, people singing, people amen, and people getting, this is how it's supposed to be. I went by there the other day, driving by. Went by that church, and this was the thought I had. That whole building, classrooms, restrooms, hallway, pastor study, sanctuary, everything that that building holds would fit in a kid's church. That building that I, this is how it's supposed to be. And if I'll just hang on, and I believe that God, because I was willing to take my rank and just say, that means little or nothing to me. And God, you're going to have to do the big part here. And because of that, I think God has rewarded Kay and myself because of that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, there's the robe of it. Trust the Lord with all your heart. That pastor saying, you're better than that. You know what all I had to do? I trust the Lord with it. It was my rank, my robe. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. What does all mean? All means all, and that's all that it means. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Jonathan wasn't trusting in his position. He didn't say, bless God, my dad's king, and I should be king next. Didn't do that. He knew David was the guy. He laid his rank down. Lean not on your own understanding. There's the sword. There's the right. Preacher, I've got a right to fight. I got a right to get my pound of flesh. A few weeks ago, me and Kay was at Walmart. I never go grocery shopping, but... We was there grocery shopping, and I know now why I was there grocery shopping. I'm just having a, basically a pretty good time grocery shopping. <laughs> this is the coffee I need. This is the creamer I need. And look up, and there's a woman with her three kids walking toward us. And... Just suffice it to say, she don't like me. <laughs> and when our eyes met, I said, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I said, hey, kids, how's it going on? And all, all the kids are going. <laughs> Preacher, I got a right to fight. I got a right to hold a grudge. I got a right to get mad. You know what? If all you got is the law of God in your head, it's always going to be in your right to hurt somebody. The people that day when they took the, the woman taking adultery and threw her at the feet of Jesus, they said, hey, we're going to stone her to death. 
And Jesus said, the person without sin, you cast the first stone. The only one that had the right to pick up a stone wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. See, I let God, I'm learning this. I let God fight my battles. Years ago, somebody said, hey, did you hear what so-and-so said about you? Well, I tell you what, I just can't stand that person. I don't do that no more. I don't do that no more. I just shrug my shoulders and, hmm. Not everybody's going to love me. I can't, don't, can't figure it out, but, you know, I just, I know it, it happens. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Preacher, what good comes from that? The next verse, figure it out. And he shall direct your path. Jonathan gave David his robe, his sword, and his belt. The bumper sticker that says, I believe it. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. That bumper sticker is full of hooey. When God said it, it settles it whether I believe it or not. Heaven is real where someone believes it or not. Hell is hot whether someone believes it or not. But to bring that true in my life, I've got to be willing to go the way God's word is and this thing is truth. Well, preacher, my truth is that you can get to heaven if you hug a tree. There's people out there that believe that. My truth is that you get to heaven if you, if you believe in pyramid power. Man, that's dating me. That's back, back in the early 80s. <laughs> My truth is you get to heaven if you hum like Charlie McLean. And all these people over here is like, who? who? <laughs> all the youngsters. My truth is, now listen to this, my truth is you get to heaven if you're real good. That's false. That's false. That's false. It don't matter how good you are, that ain't getting you to heaven. We've got to go the way God has prescribed. I surrender my truth. I surrender my reality for his truth and his reality. 1 Samuel 15, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Continue that on. Listen to me. Listen, guys. Stubbornness is as the sin of idolatry. Years ago, I was talking to a woman. I said, well, you know what well, the Bible says? And she was, I don't care what the Bible says. <laughs> Stubbornness is as the sin of witchcraft. With that kind of attitude, you might as well be a wicked witch. The Bible says, I don't care what the Bible says. Stubbornness is as the sin of witchcraft. 
worshiping your own thought process more than you worship God, that is idolatry. You might as well be worshiping at the foot of a totem pole. Nope, nope, it's just how I am. Just how I am. I can't change. It's just what I think. Stubbornness is as a sin of idolatry. You're an idol worshiper. Well, I just can't change. I got red hair, and red hair people are just fiery people, and we just get mad at the drop of a hat. I just can't change. I'm Irish, and I, I just can't change. <laughs> Stubbornness is as the sin of idolatry. Boy, it's really, really quiet. Something that I've thought for years about David, and I read it in a book recently and thought, yeah, that really verifies what I'd always thought. I think David knew, even before that giant came down, my life is a story that people are going to know about. My life is a story that's unfolding and people are going to know about. Well, they know about it all right. It's 3,000 years later, and people are still talking about it. They know about it. And I think that this guy, and I'll give you one for instance on this, why I really think this is true. Remember, my rank, my right, my reality, he has every one of these items on his possession He is being chased by King Saul. He is in the caves of En Gedi. And while they're in that cave hiding out from Saul with all of his hundreds and even thousands of men trying to chase David down, King Saul, the Bible says, has to relieve himself. And they're near one of those caves. And King Saul goes into one of those caves. Guys, I don't think it was number one. Because we here in Wayne County, any old tree will do. I don't think it's number one he's talking about here. I think it's number two. And David and his men are tucked away back inside that cave. They've been there for a while. Their night vision is going on. They can see exactly what's going on. And here comes King Saul. Assuming the position. (laughs) And David's men is like, we can't believe this. God's delivered him over to our hands. These words. Kill the king to be the king. And David said, can't do it. And these guys, what? What do you mean you can't do it? We don't know how long our life can last like this. Can't do it. If you kill him now, tomorrow you are the king and we are the cabinet members. 
We take control of this whole country. And besides that, David, Samuel has whispered in your ear. He has anointed you. You know you're to be the king. And he knew that. He knew that. But I think David also knew his life was going to be read. His life was going to be told and told and told some more. And people was going to talk about this for thousands of years. And I think David's seen right then to where he takes that sword and his men saying, kill the king to be the king. And David takes the sword and he reaches and he cuts just a portion of Saul's garment that he had laid off to the side. There again, number two, I'm pretty certain about that. He took the garment. David knows his life's going to be talked about. And I think in that day, he thought, one of these days, I'm going to have grandkids. And my grandkids are going to say, come on, granddad. Tell us that story again about how you became king. And the other grandkid says, the boy grand, your grandson goes, yeah, we want to hear that again. How King Saul, he was on the party, and you came up behind him and just reined him in the back and killed him. <laughs> David knows his life is a story that's going to be told. And he didn't want that told <laughs> on him. What did he do? He laid his own understanding, even though the, the people were saying, kill the king to be the king. No, can't do it. I'm going to go God's way. God will make this happen. I've been praying for some months now that the, the doors that need to be closed at Fairfield will be closed. The doors that need to be opened at Fairfield will be open. And I'll grant you, I was pretty certain in my thinking that we was going to get Walmart. It don't look like we're going to get Walmart. <laughs> you know what I'm doing? I'm still in all of my ways acknowledging him. Amen. Doing what the Bible tells me to do. <clears throat> What are you holding on to? Your rank? Give it to him. What are you holding on to? Your right to defend yourself? I mean, that woman I met at Walmart, if I was on fire, she wouldn't spit on me to put me out. She wouldn't do it. Well, she might spit on me. <laughs> what are you holding on to? Your reality? What I think about every situation? Give it to him. Years ago when the Britain came into India and basically, and I know we use the term empire building and it's always a bad thing. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, India is a thriving country today because of the influence that Britain had and they just wasn't there for a few days. They've been there for a hundred years. And India is a thriving uh, country because of it. But what, what the British rule and the British government did, they set up different rulers in different provinces and regions of India. Trivia question for the sermon. Anybody knows what those rulers were called? 
You'll know when I tell you. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Maharaja. The Maharajas. And on one occasion, the Maharaja, with all of his staff, was going through the city, and there was a, almost a blind, he was almost blind, he was a beggar along the roadside, and people were telling him, oh, the Maharaja, here comes the Maharaja. He's got, he's in his carriage, horse-drawn carriage, and, and they get up close, they're right into town now, and they get up next to the, next to the guy with the, with the beggar there, and he's got, he's just, his, his clothes just in tatters, and he's got a bowl, he's got a bowl of rice, is all he's got. He'd been eating his bowl of rice. And beyond belief, the Maharaja stops directly in front of him, gets out of the carriage and walks over to him and says, would you give me some of your rice? And the beggar is just incensed. The Maharaja has everything he lives in a palace. He has servants. He has all he wants to eat. He has all the money in the world. Look at me. He's thinking all of this. I'm nearly blind. I'm begging. I, my clothes are in tatters. And he's asking for some of my rice. And the Maharaja reaches his hands cupped to the nearly blind beggar for the rice. And the beggar, just muttering under his breath, takes one single grain of rice and puts it in the Maharaja's hands. He puts it in his mouth. Takes his hands again. Give me some of your rice. The beggar just, just shaking, shaking with anger. I have nothing. He has everything. He gives him one grain of rice as the Maharaja's hands were right there next to the bowl. And he thanks him for the two grains of rice. He gets onto the carriage and they ride off. And the beggar is just... I hate him. He asked me of my food. I have nothing. He has everything. He reaches his hands to go down into the rice, and he feels something. He brings it out, and it's a gold coin. He reaches in again. He's another gold coin. And now he's just reaching furiously through his rice, and that was it. Two gold coins the Maharaja had given him for two grains of rice. And the beggar says, why didn't I give him everything? Right. I am not, nor ever have been, a condemning type of person, but something that I have tried to convey for our own good one of these days we will stand before the Lord Jesus. And for those that are chintzy with your time and your talent and your treasure, on that day 
You're going to stand before him, the one with the palace, the one with everything, the one with nothing but good to be able to lavish upon you. And you're going to say, why didn't I give him everything? Give him your rank, your right, your reality. Because I'm going to tell you, we're getting the best end of the deal. Thank God. Would you bow your heads, please? Lord, just as surely as Jonathan gave to David that robe and that sword and that belt, Lord, today I want to give to you. I want to give to you everything as surely as Jonathan gave to David. God, my rank, my right to defend myself, my reality or my own truth that I have and lay it at your feet and know that your truth alone is what I am to stand upon. Help me not to make the mistake of the beggar in India. But when you ask, Lord, I want to give.
that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677. I saw Jesus